Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 246. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Pretty good. All right. Did you have a good uh, trip in Philly last weekend? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw you post some uh, pictures of the flower show there on Facebook. Oh, they got so many flowers. They're hanging flowers from the ceiling. It's ridiculous. Flowers in so many different kinds of ways. Whew. If you like flowers, that's that's where you need to go. Eh, well, <laughs> not really. Yeah, not <laughs> Probably won't go. Oh, man. I remember, I, was, I think it was last year, Macy's had a big flower show in Macy's. And I went to that. It was just a coincidence that I happened to go in there during that. And I was like, eh, this is okay, I guess. I don't know. I'm just, uh, flowers don't really do it for me. Like, I can go, I can appreciate it. Like the pictures that I that that you took, like I can appreciate those, but it's like I don't know. I just don't feel like I need to see that in person. I get I get giddy like a little kid. I was just I was essentially just walking around, well, running around really, and just be like, oh shit, look at this! Oh my god, look at this! Flowers make me really happy. But I'm there was one mistake that we made. We drove into Philly, right? And it was super super congested, and we're like, what the hell's going on? And uh, a bunch of like white twenty-year-olds walking around drunk in green, and we we're just like, "Wait a second, why are they all wearing Kiss Me I'm Irish T-shirts?" Here is right in the middle of the St. Patty's Day parade. We drove into Philly, which don't ever do that. Well, wait a minute, don't do it. This was this was last weekend. Though, yeah, that's right? why I got why? so confused. <laughs> I was like, "What?" What is going on? You know, like uh, all the streets are shut down. It took us like three hours just to get from when we got into the city to get to our hotel. It was ridiculous. Wow. And then people are like, it's St. Patty's Day for this weekend. And I'm like, wait, what? That was last weekend, I thought. No, St. Patty's Day was this weekend. I know, but I got confused because they had a parade last weekend. for So for me... St. Patty's Day oh, was last saying. weekend, and I just don't care about St. Patty's Day. I, I like I hate that holiday so much because it's so fucking pointless. I hate it. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of it either. It's essentially just really. an excuse to be obnoxious and drunk mm-hmm. day, which you can do that any fucking day. Like you don't have to wait until exactly. St. Patty's Day to drink. <laughs> You can be an obnoxious drunk every day. <laughs> exactly. All right. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Creepy. We'll also be going over some of we're watching on the watch list, along with the roundup of new releases in theaters and on VOD and Blu-ray. Remember, you can join in on the conversation by sending us an email at podcast at filmpulse.net or sending us a tweet at filmpulse.net. And if you like what you hear, consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash film pulse for just a dollar a month you'll be helping us out tremendously and i appreciate that let's uh get right into our review this week we got creepy talking about some creepy oh yeah this is directed by kiyoshi kurosawa this is now available on shutter now i don't know it's also available on itunes and amazon i believe i don't know maybe it's not on amazon i don't know i don't know what the release of this was like I, I as far as i know it's just now uh coming out it's just now available via streaming yeah i think i think you're correct i'm pretty sure this, this is one of those uh shutter exclusives so if you have shutter you can check it out uh this is i have a synopsis here for this takakura is a former detective he receives a request from his ex-colleague nogami to examine the a missing family case that occurred six years earlier. Takakura follows Saki's memory. All right, see, I'm just going to give my own synopsis because this is Takakura follows Saki's memory. In the synopsis before that, there was no mention of who Saki is. So how are we supposed to... It doesn't make sense. Well, they followed up with the she's the only surviving family member from the case. Meanwhile... Recently moved. They're all over the place in this this synopsis. Yeah, this. Let's just let's get into the review and we'll explain it as we go here. So basically, uh, as the synopsis 
mentions the main character is a detective who uh, he is he specializes in like criminal psychology. So he's working on this serial killer case and things go terribly awry. He ends up getting stabbed and flash forward a year later, he retires from the force and becomes a professor in this uh, small town and notices that some there's some weird things happening. First of all, his neighbor is very strange. He's <laughs> suspicious of his neighbor. And on top of that, he becomes involved in this cold case that happened six years prior where three members of a family went missing and the daughter was left. And so he and one of his former colleagues at the, uh, at, at the police are investigating this all the while they're trying to get acclimated to their new home, he and his wife, and uh, the, the strange neighbor and the case that he's following start to inter, intertwine with one another, I would say. Yeah. So, Kevin, what did you think of Creepy? Ooh, this one, this is, a, this is an interesting one. Exactly I, I, I just want to say right off the top, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say right off the top, it's, it's not creepy. Like, I think that the movie itself is not that creepy. No, it's just more so. so I was a little disappointed in that, first of all. It's just more so the neighbor. He's, he's creepy. He's a creepy dude. He's a creep. He's a creeper. Mm-hmm. He's, an odd, he's an odd fellow. Uh, th- I mean, that was the first striking thing is that their whole, their whole neighborhood is just a bunch of odd people. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I was kind of excited about. I was like, oh, this is interesting. He's like in this really weird little neighborhood and everybody's kind of yeah, which bizarre is, and strange. And I was like, all right, I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of digging this. Yeah, which and, and you think that that's what it's, it's kind of going to go that route because him being a detective and he's, he's trying to, he's trying to just relax, you know, since that, the, the, the thing at the beginning went south where he got stabbed, which I, I don't. I, that was kind of confusing right off the bat. It was a fork. He got stabbed with a fork. Like forks don't do that much damage. Like so yeah, maybe hit, it hit an organ or something. Suck it up. They don't go. I don't even think it would go through the fat layer. I mean, forks aren't that long. So, but he just wants to relax, and that's what I'm thinking. It's like, oh, he's going to get involved with all these neighbors because they're so creepy. And there's a bunch of weird stuff going on, but uh, doesn't really go that route. And number one, a little over two hours. No need for that. It's just no need, especially when there's so much nonsense in here. And I had to not- take a break on this one. Definitely, <laughs> I took a nap in between. <laughs> it just it takes forever to get going, and it's just you have to, you just have to, you know, suspend your belief, your disbelief. You know, it's just there's one ridiculous thing after another. There's so much nonsense, and I think if you're going to go that route, if you're going to make it kind of just over the top ridiculous. Let's keep it a little bit short because for such a long time, they just play it straight. They're just playing it straight. It feels like one of these procedural, you know, serial killer type things. And it feels like it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be taking it very seriously. And then all of a sudden, everything just goes out the window and it just gets ridiculous. Yeah. I would argue that the whole movie is played straight. It, It is completely ridiculous, but it's the, what's happening on screen doesn't match the tone of the movie itself because it's just like you said it is some of the actions of the characters it's so unbelievable that you're just like what it it doesn't make sense why would that character be doing that it it, i I don't i cannot follow this at all yeah and i mean right off the bat i'm just you know i'm able to throw you know i'm able to take that leap where you have this guy working on this cold case just just picks up on a cold case that happens to be connected to the guy he's living beside that he just moved to, you know, the new neighborhood that he moved to. And there's that connection. And I was able to make that leap. I was like, okay, I'll do that for you. I'll make that. I love my favorite. My favorite part of that is the positioning of the houses. How he picked up on, wait a minute, this guy's house is in the same position as mine. And that's, that's, that's how, that's one of the pieces that he put together was the positioning of the houses. Yes. Which, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like, what? And he takes a picture of it too and sends it to his colleague. Like, we totally have to look into this guy. How about the numerous creepy things that he's done before that? Or the fact that 
you know, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but you're, you're a detective and he, he wants to leap and make all these conclusions and stuff. And there's a point where the young girl says straight to your face. He's not my dad. Right. He's a total stranger. And he's just like, hmm. He shrugs it off. He's just like, oh, that was a weird thing to say. <laughs> like, like, come on. Are you this girl. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? So let's let's back up just like one, a little, a little bit and, and describe this girl. So like, so this guy and his wife, they move into this house. They have this really creepy neighbor. This guy supposedly has a daughter and she acts very suspicious as well. And at one point. The daughter takes the, takes the main character, the, the the detective aside, and says, "This guy's not my dad." And he's just like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> weird." I was wondering because I, I noticed earlier that the houses were positioned exactly the same as that cold case that I'm working on. It's it's just and the 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 number of like just the coincidences and things. Where everything just falls so perfectly into place in this movie that it's, you're just like, all right, come on now. Yeah, it's it's a bit ridiculous. And just the fact that, like, he's a terrible detective. I'm sorry. He's just awful at his job. Like, right off the bat, you know, with his first interaction with the neighbor. I mean, come on. Red flags everywhere. All over the place. And the fact that your wife's like, dude's a creeper. And you're like, well, some people just don't have social skills. And then your next interaction with him, and then your next interaction with him, and then the fact that his so-called daughter pulls you inside is like, not my dad, told a stranger. And he's just like, hmm, this guy, not sure about him. Like, I mean, I mean, it just gets more ridiculous as we go along. I mean, there was that, that initial point. What, I mean, the fact that he starts working on this cold case, that all seemed very odd, too, where a family disappears, right? So they look into it, and it's treated as a crime. That's the first thing that kind of... Right, and, and and he was so hung up on that. He's like, why is this a crime? That's the weird thing. Why is this a crime? Ew. And I'm like, well, it seems like obvious that it's a crime. Three people vanish and leave their young daughter? Yeah. Like, that's it seems pretty cut and dry that that would be a crime. Yeah, you would want to look into that. Now... The thing on top of that is, you know, he's so worked up as to, oh, it's really intriguing why they why they consider this a crime. And then when they go into the house and they find giant Ziploc bags, you're thinking, my, number one, I was like, oh, shit, it's getting creepy. This is fucked up. But also, my first thought was, if it's treated as a crime, like, no one tore that place apart? Like, there's just been giant Ziploc bags hidden in the house the entire time? Like, you guys are terrible at your jobs. Yeah, I know. I I don't. Yeah, I don't get that. That that was a that was a little confusing for me as well. Like at first, I thought he was in a different house. I thought he was in. I think he might have been in the neighbor's house. So they wouldn't have searched the neighbor's house. I don't know. I mean, it's just either way. And the fact that the the neighbor is not because right off the bat, you know, dude, that's the guy. You know, he is because there's no one else, and he's fucking weird as shit. We knew there had to be some sort of connection. Yeah, Def- definitely. And you know, like the, these two plot lines were, were very clearly going to intersect at some point. Yeah, and you know that he's he's going to be a bad dude. There's no one else to play that role, and you know that there's going to be someone playing that role. Of course, it's going to be him because he's so weird. And him being, I mean, it says in the tagline. I mean, the tagline of this movie is. That man isn't my father. He's a total stranger. So, I mean, you know. And the fact that he's able to be, that he's able to live there for so long. Like, the guy that he's impersonating is, like, an institute director. So, no one, right. no one's thinking, like, hey, our, the director of our institute hasn't been seen in ages. Gosh, maybe we should look into that. Maybe we should go over to his house and just check in on him, see how he's doing. His daughter's still going to school, but we haven't seen her parents in ages. Wonder what's going on. Yeah, very strange. And the mother, too. The mother probably hasn't shown up in public either. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just, it's just bizarre. It's just, it, it was a bridge too far for me. And then that explosion looked absolutely awful. <laughs> I just, I laughed out loud. As soon as it exploded, I was just like, ha ha, okay. Well, the one, like the second explosion, I think 
was real, but the initial one I think was uh, uh, that was very bad looking. But I think the second one, when the flames came out of the window, the second time after the window had already been blown out, I think that that was at least real. It looked better. I give him that. It looked better. But the 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 initial <laughs> one, yes, that was absolutely terrible. I was just saying, was and, the, the second movie I saw this weekend with really terrible CG fire, and I don't think wow. it's. I mean, just CG fire in and of itself is. It looks bad. They they haven't mastered mm-hmm. it. Like they haven't figured it out. No, it just it, it always looks superimposed. It always looks terrible. But even, I think it's a really hard thing to do. But also, just do real fire. Just blow up a house. I mean, jeez, just do it. Just full commitment. Just blow up that house. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, movies have been playing with fire for decades upon decades. Like. Yeah, just blow it up. You you can do it. Just blow it up. You can you can make fire shoot out of a window and make the house look like it's burning. Yeah, I mean, just get some. I think you could rig up like a an elaborate. Oh yeah, like, you know, aerosol cans and shit. Yeah, you just like make fake glass and then you set up like a like a flamethrower type thing and just. I mean, I'm sure you can make it look real. Why not? But but even to go back further, I was I was kind of disappointed at first where because I had this sneaking suspicion that it was all going to be the wife's fault. Like as soon as you know her first interaction with the neighbor, and then you know the husband, the ex detective meets him, and he's like, oh, I think you should kind of steer clear of him. He's a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. Which she already fucking told you that guy. So she was the one that because she met him first, so she was like, that guy's weird. Yeah. And he was like, huh, people are like that. And then he meets him. He's like, hey, you were right. He's fucking weird. Probably just stay away from him. You know, I mean, number one, just tell her, tell her what he said. Just give her that heads up, you know. Right, exactly. Give it, just talk to your wife. Jesus. Instead Second, of just being like, he was just, he was just talking bullshit. He was just yeah. talking utter bullshit. Yeah, and he's like, it's bullshit. I don't even, I don't even remember what he said. Yes, you fucking do. He called your wife out, man. You know exactly what he said. I, just tell her. And then it, immediately the next thing is like her poking her nose and it's like, oh, of course, of course she's going to be the detective now and it's all going to fall on her. It's all essentially her fault because she wouldn't just stay in her house and just, you know, keep to herself like her husband told her to. And why is this guy getting well, so hung up on this cold case in the first place? She probably shouldn't have taken that stew over there. That was probably that's, a mistake. Well, that's what I mean. Like, he immediately, you know, he said, like, just stay out of it. Don't don't talk to him. Just leave him alone. You know, it's not worth the hassle. And she's immediately like, oh, I made too much stew. And he's like, oh, of course it's her fault now. Because she's like, oh, I have to be the good neighbor. Mm-hmm. Dude's creepy. Just stay away. Well, everything that happens with her, I'm not going to say what it is, because th- that would, I believe that would be spoiling too much. Everything that happens with her, I think, that was like, I, I couldn't get past that i'm like what is happening here at this point I, I couldn't get past his whole his whole thing i mean to use the neighbor the yeah, neighbor's the neighbor. thing? like uh, uh, how yeah. how he you know he gets how he gets things done yeah to me it's just like what and i, and I love the uh the detective's explanation to him uh, like his profile of him there at the end it's just like all right that's not necessary to tell this guy exactly what he does yeah like are you telling him or are you telling us when he tries to redeem himself too from the the earlier where he's like i'm not gonna turn my back this time yeah it's like give me a break this is all this is just so ridiculous in the end i felt like creepy was just a pretty bog standard procedural that it just didn't bring enough to the table i just it was not that interesting at all and it sucks because kurosawa makes some really i mean he's made some really great stuff i mean cure was that was a procedural and that was fantastic which is yeah which i mean he's he does a great job of you know not to use the word you know the the title of this film he makes some creepy ass movies Oh yeah, he, he, he like his movies always have an interesting hook, but this one I just fell flat for me. I mean, the only redeeming thing to me was um, the neighbor's performance. Like that guy creeped me the fuck out. He was very creepy. I mean, he was he was so bizarre. He was terrifying. I, just didn't, but at I the same didn't find time, the movie as a whole very creepy. No, me either. 
But I just I thought his performance in particular out of everything was pretty fantastic. Everything else I thought was just eh, eh, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, again, it it sucks. I'd say go check out the Cure. I just remembered like when they're like, "Hey, let's go check out that house," and they go and you know the girl that survived. It's just hanging out. Just so happens to be that 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 was the first time I was like, all right, come on, guys. She just so happens to be there six years after the fact. They they're like, hey, let's check out this house, and then as as it happens, she's just, she's just hanging out. She's just hanging out there. He just like ticks into it right off the bat, which I you know they try and make that correlation. He's like, yeah, you're you're so inhuman. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Didn't didn't really work for me. All right. What are you gonna give creepy out of ten? Hmm. That's a tough one. I'm gonna give it a three. It's pretty low. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a three. I would. I would be. I'd be willing to forgive some of it if it wasn't so fucking long. Because there comes a point in time where it's just like, okay, now you're just cutting into my day. Like, just be over. Yeah, it is a bit of a slog. Uh, I'm gonna give Creepy a. Uh, I'm sitting like a four point five on that one. I just I don't know if Kurosawa knows. Like I have things to do, Kurosawa. Okay, <laughs> I'm a busy man. Fucking <laughs> get it going. You know what I mean? You can't be giving me the runaround all day. <laughs> yeah, like get to the point. I got shit that needs to get done. <laughs> all right, that's creepy. That's available now on shutter check out shutter this is not a sponsored uh no shutter or anything shutter's good stuff though shutter is awesome i i didn't I have really the, i'm really impressed i didn't have the problem that i had last time with shutter that i did this time where it wouldn't allow me to go full screen for whatever reason this time it worked oh that's weird i was really oh, that's happy. good i was happy yeah i i've never had any issues with shutter i think that they're they're awesome like for for the longest time they didn't have an apple tv app and it was really weird because they had like a beta of the apple tv app yeah and so i would go into it like every couple of weeks to see what's new and it's always the same movies then i'm like what is happening here are they just like not adding things to their library because I would get emails and it would say like, oh, new on Shutter, this and this and this. And I'm like, I don't see it on here at all. So I checked on the website and all the movies were there. So I emailed them and I'm like, hey, uh, what's up with the uh, Apple TV app? And they're like, oh, it's in beta. So the, the, not all the movies are on there. But since then, they've launched the full app for Apple TV and uh, it's updated just like the site is now. So, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, let's move on and get into the watch list. Now, this is this is going to segue into a topic I want to talk about this week. Uh, I saw Iron Fist this week, the uh, the new Marvel show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I was pretty excited for it. I like Iron Fist, the character. Um, pretty big, pretty big fan of Iron Fist. Uh, and I didn't at the time. I didn't see any of the critic buzz about this the show. I just kind of assumed that it was another, you know, Marvel Netflix thing. It was going to be good. Mm-hmm. I saw the first episode and I was like, yeah, this is, uh, this is pretty bad. Like, I don't know, maybe it was just a rocky pilot. As, the, as I continued watching the show, it just got worse and worse and worse. And, to, and I was like, this show is absolute garbage. Iron mm-hmm. Fist is absolute garbage. <laughs> it is so bad. Uh, it's like... It reminds me of, it actually reminds me a lot of the show Arrow on uh, the CW, where it's like this, it's got this like corny melodrama and the action is just not that great at all. Like it's not that interesting. And you know, Iron Fist is supposed to be this like martial arts genius. He's supposed to be amazing he's like the best martial artist in the world and he's he's the human weapon and all of this stuff and it's like he sucks he's getting his ass kicked left and right and he's just not that good i think it was terribly miscast too i think finn jones should not have been iron fist not because he's not asian because in the comic books it is a white dude but just because he's not that good like he's not that good of an actor he he just is not very charismatic. There's no humor. This is like a pretty humorless 
show, even when they try to do a funny joke here and there, it just doesn't land because he's just so deadpan that it just doesn't doesn't work at all. Um, I was going to say because what it, I haven't heard much, but from what I've seen is that it hasn't been well received. And I was kind of no. wondering, like, I wonder if Adam if Adam likes this one. Um, yeah, I, I saw I watched the whole thing, so I saw the whole thing, and it's it's just it's really bad. It's boring, which I don't understand how it can be boring. You know, it's this kind of kung fu superhero movie. You'd think it's going to be action packed and have lots of exactly. you know silly fun fights and stuff, but it's it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's every episode. Pretty much every episode has at least one fight, but a lot of them are just boring. Uh, the acting is piss poor. The writing is bad. It's just, it's a failure on almost every level. And, you know, the thing is, it, it's like an origin story, but it's like a 13 hour long origin story. So you're just like, oh my God, this is, because he doesn't wear the costume or anything in this. See, that, it was, that's the problem. That's the problem with so many things is, when they go to TV, they just draw everything out. Yeah. And if you're going to, I mean, it's bad enough when they do like an origin film, but to do an origin series, like just get to it already. There was, there was one callback to the costume and it was when he was watching f- old footage from a previous Iron Fist and that, that previous Iron Fist was wearing the costume, but he never wears it in the show. And it's just, it's just bad all around. I mean, if you watch the pilot, you'll have an idea like, okay, this is what I'm in for here. So th- this show leads me to, to the topic that I wanted to discuss. And that's the fact that when this started getting really bad reviews, um, the, the lead actor, Finn Jones, came out and said, look, this isn't a show for the critics. This is a show for the fans. This is a show that we made for the fans. This isn't for the critics. And we see that a lot in yeah, but what if, what Hollywood. If your, what if your fans are the critics? Well, and that's what we're going to get into. Because uh, when he came out and made that comment, there was uh, an article that came out on Film School Rejects by uh, Danny Bose uh, called We Made It For The Fans, Not The Critics is a False Construct. And I wanted to get your take on that because it's something that we've heard many, many times in the past where a movie or a TV show or what have you comes out and it's garbage. And their response is, well, we made it for the fans. This is, this is a movie for the fans. We didn't make it for, for critics. And my argument to that is what is the distinction? How is there a distinction between a critic and a fan? Like why, why do critics become critics? Because they love movies. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like how do you just naturally think that like, oh, all the critics, they cannot be fans. Like if they don't like it, they're just not fans of the original, you know, source material, whatever it may be. But I mean, they got, like you said, they got into being a critic because they were obsessed with movies. It's not a lot of the critics out there. It's not like they're like, I'm not really big on films, not really into it. Gosh, what should I do for a living? That makes a below average amount of money. That takes a lot yeah. of work. Whew. Oh, I guess I'll be a film critic or a TV critic. That's what I'll do with <laughs> my life. Even though I don't really like or enjoy films and or TV, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write about that. I, I mean, that's just nonsense. I mean, if yeah. you don't like films or TV, this is not that you're not going to get into that career path because it doesn't make of that course. much fucking money. <laughs> no. It doesn't, and it's just, if, it, I just feel like that there is no basis for an argument over, we made this for the fans, because there shouldn't be a distinction between a critic and a fan. I mean, I see, I, when, when, I, when there's something that I love, when there's a, a, a video game, a movie, any kind of property that I love, like, um, you know, the, the new Zelda came out, for instance. And this was a big, this was like a big, uh, there was a big hoopla over the new Zelda game because it had like a 98 on Metacritic, which is, you know, huge. That's almost unheard of. And a popular game critic came out with a 7 out of 10 review for it. 
and they just eviscerated him. Like fans just completely eviscerated him because it brought the Metacritic score from 98 to 97. And <laughs> it's like... That's so funny. When, when looking at that, it's like, I, I love Zelda. I'm a huge Zelda fan. So I got the game immediately and I played it and I, and I love it. However, because I'm such a huge fan, I have a, I, I take it to task when it needs to be, you know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, well, it's also we need just... to, to keep these properties in check. We need to point out the issues because well, if you also... don't point out the issues, then how are they going to get better? From I mean, there's two things that I want to touch on here. Number one, when you say that it's not, we didn't make this for the critics, we made it for the fans. Essentially, what you're saying is we knew that these fans are diehard enough and they've been waiting long enough that it doesn't really matter the quality of it. They're going to fucking watch it anyways because people want iron this. I mean, that's pretty much what you're saying. Well, the second thing is like the Metacritic thing with uh, the Zelda game. As someone that plays video games, like who, who fucking cares? Like, if I get the new Zelda game and I fucking love it and everyone else is like, I hate this game. It's so fucking terrible. I don't care. Who cares? You love it. <laughs> yeah. Right? I could give two shits what you people think. I'm playing Zelda and I'm having a blast. I don't give two shits what you think. Right. And I can I can read uh, the, the guy. The guy's name is Jim Sterling. I can read Jim Sterling's review. And and I have read it when his site is on, on right now. His site is just getting DDoS to to shit. Like his site's been down for like a week uh, because they're just you know DDoSing him nonstop. But uh, he had archi- an archived version of it up, and I read his review, and I completely agree with a lot of his criticisms. Even though I love the game, if I were to score it, I'd probably give it like an eight or something. But it's that's not the point. The point is like what you said. If you if you're loving the game, if you're playing Zelda and you're loving it, then who cares what a critic thinks? If you if you disagree yeah. with a critic's opinion, just don't read that critic's reviews because clearly that critic is on a different you know uh, has a different viewpoint than you. Well, and I mean, I don't I don't read a lot of like critic reviews of things. I I try and squeeze some in here and there, but when I do. You know, say if it's a movie or a TV show, whatever it might be, and complete disagreement. You know what I mean? Like you're reading through and you're just like, well, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Like when I get to the end of it, I think to myself, if I get to the end of it, because it might be so, I might disagree with it so much that I just like, I'm not reading this anymore. Because guess what? You don't have to read them. But when you disagree or if you disagree that much, like I don't understand when people like attack. Like there's so many times where I'll read them and be like, well, that was stupid. And I just move on with my life. Like, I'll just do something else that's, you know, more enjoyable for me. Well, it's because some some people feel so passionately about their whatever it may be that they feel the need to defend it, even though that's really not their place. It's not their movie. They, well, they and it's also just to, to defend it, it. It's just also odd because you're bringing like you're bringing attention to that thing, which is essentially right. the opposite of what you want. Yeah, I'm sure that, and, and and some people attack certain critics just for being contrarian. Like some people are just like, "Well, you just picked that. You just wrote that review to get clicks, and you're just trying to be a contrarian to get more page views and stuff like that." And I, I gotta say, in in my experience doing this over the last five years, there honestly aren't that many people that write reviews just to be contrarian. You wouldn't want to put your own credibility on the line just to get a couple thousand extra page views. It just doesn't happen. Maybe there's even then there might be some like small, you know, blogs here and there or like Reddit posts where people do that. But professional critics, they don't do that. Even then, what do you, what are you getting out of it? Like how many, how many, um, like online film review places have we seen fold in the last two years? Exactly. So, I mean, what I mean, they're dropping left and right, and <laughs> you think they're pulling in thousands because they're like, yeah. Oh, I came out with a contrarian review, raking in that money. Oh boy, watch out, Google. Going ads. back to your point, going back to your point about uh, when people say we did it for the fans, I don't, I don't know that I, I think that for a lot of people, they, they think that the reason that they're saying that is because they think 
think that critics don't understand it. Like they don't appreciate it because they're not a fan. Like, I think that that's another way of looking at them saying it that way. But the truth is there, again, there is no distinction between a critic and a fan. Like I love Iron Fist. And when I see the, the Iron Fist name, the property being handled in that way, I'm like, clearly this is not for the fans because if it was, you'd make a good show instead of this garbage pile. So check out the film school rejects article. It's, it's uh, definitely worth a read. And I'm hoping that this will eventually just fade away. This whole, we made it for the fans business. Cause it's, it is ridiculous. Kevin, what have you been watching this week? Well, I, just, I didn't watch Iron Fist, and it sounds like I'm never going to. No, that one is. Well, you you haven't seen any of the Marvel stuff on Netflix. I saw you? the this the Jessica Jones. That was Marvel, right? Or no? Yeah, that was but, Marvel. Yeah, yeah, I didn't make it the whole way to the end of that one. I mean, that I died off that because they just kept fucking wasting time. Mm-hmm. Which is a problem with every TV show now. Just wasting fucking time pissing me off uh i watched i'm trying to go over since we haven't done it we haven't done a podcast for a little bit so i'm trying to go back through the highlights Took last week off yeah yeah going back through the highlights there uh we're so busy checking out the flowers that we had to take a week oh off my God. just imagine me running around and just being like oh shit look at this one <laughs> i i am i am imagining it and it is making my dick yeah that's me that's what i do i'm not exaggerating either i get really giddy i'm like a little kid um, but I watched uh, a documentary from Deborah Stratman called The Illinois Parables. From uh, This was from last year. This hasn't really come out. I think it played in New York a little bit, right? And this is a, it's one hour. It's kind of an experimental documentary shot on 16 millimeter film. And so what she does is essentially tell the history of Illinois from like the 6th century up until 1985 by using 11 parables. So there's 11 sections to this film where she she, t- she touches on a like a very specific point in history. So she's going from like a tornado that wrecked a part of the the state, <clears throat> the Chicago Pile One project, which was part of the Manhattan Project. Um, she looks into the death of Fred Hampton, like throughout all the years, and it is it is incredible in its construction and its presentation. And it's just unbelievable to be sitting there for an hour, but to be able to pack this much information into one hour into, you know, the scope of it from sixth century to 1985. I mean, it is, it is, at least for me, I'll say for me, it is one of the best documentaries I've seen probably, you know, within the last decade. Hmm. It's I'll have incre- to check this out. It's incredible. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try and write about this. And when I got to the end of it, because for me, it's a 10 out of 10. And when I got to the end of it, I was like, there's just, there was so much information that I don't, I don't, I, like, I have to watch it again. There's just too much information here to try and go over. Mm-hmm. Cool. And that's the Illinois Parables. How did you see this? I saw this on Festival Scope. So okay. good luck, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so if you have a Festival Scope Pro membership, get it. It's not available on the, the public one, right? No. And yeah, you had to do the old, you know, send a request. Oh, okay. All right. I saw the Belko experiment. Ooh. Uh, so this, this one came out this weekend. Yeah. It came out this weekend. I think basically this is, we talked, uh, I talked a little bit about it on uh, this week's Brian watches a movie. Uh, it's, it's basically battle Royale set in an office environment. Uh, it's written by James Gunn, directed by Greg McLean, guy that did uh, Wolf Creek and Rogue, and it's uh, it's okay. Uh, it's uh, it was kind of right down the middle for me. It wasn't nearly as funny as I thought it was going to be, uh, and the the tone is way more kind of dark than I expected it to be. I, I was kind of expecting it to be a dark comedy. You know what I mean, like. One of these kind of very violent but kind of slapsticky type <clears throat> movies, but yeah. unfortunately the the humor wasn't there. All that was left was just this kind of grisly murder, and it really does kind of put a bad taste in your mouth. Like because some of these people die very horribly, um, and 
when you see it, you're just like, uh, am I supposed to be laughing at this? Is it like, is it supposed to be like, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to feel here because all I felt was kind of dirty Yeah. afterwards. Um, <clears throat> and I think that it is kind of meant to be at least somewhat provocative in, because some of the stuff you see, you're just like, all right, come on now. That's like, there's, there's this one character I'm not going to give anything major away. There's one character that is in it from the very beginning, and this character makes it almost to the end by being being smart and being cunning and being very careful. And the way that this character all of a sudden dies, you're just like, what the hell? We spent so much time, and then you just end that person's life. And it just, a lot of the deaths just felt so... Um, remorseless and awful that you're just like, I can't, it's, it's not that entertaining. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't, it wasn't that great, honestly, <laughs> but, uh, that's, uh, that's out now in theaters. So you can check it out if you want. Belko experiment. Okay. I mean, they, uh, I've said it before, but the first time I saw the trailer for that, I was just like, are you, this is getting a wide release? Really? It looks like, yeah, I still, I still don't, I should have looked into that because Rotten Tomatoes said wide release, but I can't imagine that this is, I mean, is it playing in your area? Did you see? Yeah, it's, it's playing, which is interesting considering that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we don't get, we'll get the bell code. Yeah. That's kind of like our, our barometer for if it is an actual wide release. Cause you know, some, (laughs) some, some of them say a wide release, but they're in like 500 theaters or whatever on 500 screens. But if it's playing in your area, then it's definitely a wide release. Correct. Um, That is so strange. I know it is. It's bizarre to me. I saw Manchester by the sea. Finally sat through that. I did not like this. I did not like this movie at all. I loved it. Um, To me, it was just, it was way too long. Especially considering that it's completely one note throughout, where it's just like Casey Affleck can't deal with grief, can't get over it, which is understandable. You know, what happens to him is like, uh, that's a summit too high. I don't think you can, I don't think you can conquer that one. I think that's pretty much going to wreck you. Uh, And he just self-loathes through the entire movie. And it's just him self-loathing over and over and over again. And he just can't deal. And it's like, I get it. I can understand but do we need to do this for like two plus hours? Cause I got, I got it. I got, you made your point. And like his nephew, like I just, it was just this weird juxtaposition where it's like, he can't deal. And then you have the nephew where we're just kind of spending time with him trying to get laid, which was, I just found odd. Well, I think that it was kind of an exploration of grief on the nephew's part too. Like the nephew, the way that he was processing it was, to kind of try to ignore it and focus on his social life and yeah. try to be normal, like a normal kid. But, you know, we see how that but happens again, with just, that, too. So it's also kind of an exploration of grief on the part just, of the nephew as well. But to me, it was just, it was a bit gratuitous in the fact that you just, you spend so much time with them. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It makes sense. He's a teenager. He's trying to get laid. I get it. Like, we don't have to keep doing it over and over and over again i got it i mean there's just not that much to this film especially not to warrant you know two and a half hours or whatever the hell it is it felt like seven i'm gonna throw that out there felt like a seven hour long movie that's kenneth lonergan i know he's such that dude that dude dude likes to make long movies i think does he he edits his own movies i think and you can tell because they're fucking terrible with editing i think that was the whole thing with like um with Margaret, right? There was two cuts. Yeah. Like they, he, he made his version and it was like four hours long or whatever. And they were like, nope, we're not releasing that. Well, there's, so then they had to, he had to recut it. There's just so much extraneous stuff. Like I don't need any of the band stuff. See his band playing ever. There's no need for that. But one of the strangest things is, is his cameo where Affleck's talking to his nephew and he's like, the oh, home of the, smash your face in he's like yeah real good parenting and they kind of have like an, a verbal altercation or whatever and it's like okay great but then the, the very next cut is a lion shot of him walking down the street for absolutely no reason like we never come back to this character 
ever again. He doesn't do anything interesting. He just simply walks down the street. But we cut to that. And then we cut back to Affleck and his thing. And it's just like, why is that there? Like, why do I need to see you walking down the street? You're a nobody. Yeah. I mean, I, it didn't bother me. I mean, Affleck's, I thought his performance was pretty good. Given that. But I, I don't know. Just, I thought it was eh. Uh, I, I I thought it was pretty great. So there you have it. Manchester by the Sea. Is this out now on something? Yeah, well, I got it on. I picked up the DVD. I think it's coming to it's coming to uh, Amazon Prime soon. I saw Kong Skull Island. Watch out! It's directed by Jordan Vogt Roberts. Uh, I I had a really great time with this this one. Basically, it's it's an adaptation of Heart of Darkness, which was the the novel that that was um, in inspired uh, that inspired Apocalypse Now. And it also inspired Kong Skull Island. Uh, if you look at the what Heart of Darkness is all about, it's it basically parallels the events that take place in Kong Skull Island. Uh, I was a big fan of Kings of Summer, this guy's last movie. We even had him on the show talking about it. So I, I like this guy's style. I mean his his visual his visual style is just it's it really speaks to me. And I'm glad to see that. Even though this is a big studio picture, it didn't. He didn't lose that, you know, visual style. It's it's still very much his movie. Uh, everything about this movie, I was, I was into. It's the, the the first of all the the characters are not very well developed. There are several characters in this that seem to play an important role when they give us almost no backstory on these characters whatsoever so that was definitely one of the weak spots um the the storyline itself is is also fairly banal like it's it's not something we haven't seen before it's a big monster movie so it's Mm -hmm. not like it's anything super complex going on here it's a group of people trying to escape this island that's filled with all kinds of horrific beasts so you know that's pretty basic but uh visuals very strong. The music selection was great because uh, the, mo- the movie takes place in the 70s right after the end of Vietnam. So you have that great soundtrack to go along with it. Um, and I just uh, I-, I had a really, really good time with it. I saw it in 70 millimeter, which I think was only the second movie I've ever seen in 70 millimeter. And it was just it was gorgeous. Like, I, I wish every movie would just come out in 70 millimeter because that would uh that'd make my day but either way the the action was pretty awesome uh kong is just such a badass in this movie i think that this is probably my favorite king kong movie uh i know that's not saying a lot because i'm not a huge kong fan to begin with i just i've just realized i don't think i've ever seen a king kong movie you never saw the uh like the peter jackson one no i've never hmm. seen king kong oh, you never saw the original no i'd recommend checking out the original it's pretty fun I have to give that a shot. I saw I saw the original in the theater actually, like years ago. Well, they did this like preparatory screening. Lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about all that. Uh, fair amount of humor in this. John C. Riley being John C. Riley, which is always welcome. Uh, and uh, yeah, performances were pretty solid. So I, I would definitely recommend checking out Kong Skull Island. Not, not going to be one of the best movies of the year by any means, but uh, I had, I had a blast with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I finally caught up with Moonlight. Ah. That, that little movie that everyone has seen and loved. Apparently. Uh, I also loved it. I enjoyed myself immensely. I was, I was kind of surprised on a couple of things. One, the Oscar winning performance from Ali. Like I was kind of surprised that that's, it that's all that's always there for i was like i was expecting him to show up in the second portion of the film I, you know when he goes back to uh yeah. to the house i'm like ah oh, he'll show up again no but no he does just in that beginning part <laughs> he's just that beginning part where he's like how much screen time did he actually have like four minutes five minutes which is another thing like this movie is just completely loaded with great because there's not really a lead you know the way that it's the way that it's structured there's no lead essentially so it's nothing but supporting performances and man does it have a lot of great supporting performances because to me i thought um ashton sanders was 
I thought he was the number one. And I was kind of surprised because I was like, that guy looks kind of familiar. And it's the kid from the retrieval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. Damn. I thought he was the best. Um, I thought the I I thought like the actual storyline of it was a bit um elementary. It was it's just a bit basic. Except for yeah, the, it, for the third the, the third section, the final section, that diner scene, the way that he handled that I thought was fantastic. It was which was a nice way to too of uh of bringing this this story to its ending. So yeah, I was I was quite impressed. Yeah, I thought uh, well th- this was my number one movie of last year, so I was uh I was very taken with this movie. Yeah, I would I mean it definitely would have been in my top top five, top ten. But there was Believe also the that, hype, assholes. Yeah, there was also that where it's kinda of get to the point where it's like everybody loves this. Like does it need to show up on my list? Like it's one everybody it won a goddamn Oscar. Like I don't think Barry Jenkins. Well, if it if it like, deserves oh. to show up on the list, then it should show up on the list. It shouldn't matter well, how many people but no, I'm just saying I'm just movie. saying when I'm when I'm when I'm trying to like cram in at the end of the year, it's like, you know, does Barry Jenkins really need me? Is Barry Jenkins sitting around like, oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been on a lot of lists, but I'm waiting to see where I fall on Kevin Rakestraw's filmpulse.net list. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Maybe he is. Who knows? Who knows? knows? But the, the another I don't know what Barry Jenkins is reading these days. The other interesting thing is the, the, the casting. When the Kevin kid shows up immediately, I'm like, immediately the, the second i saw him i was like oh that's who andre holland's gonna play i mean just the, oh yeah the casting throughout the three was just that was impressive yeah they they completely nailed that so it's just like holy shit you look like a really young version of andre holland that's weird yep so that's moonlight absolutely check that out if you haven't yet because it is definitely one of 2016's best films without a doubt i saw assassin's creed Oh, yeah. Directed by Justin Curzel. I remember when, right before this came out, you and I were both going to see this. Mm-hmm. We, we were like, we're, we're both going to see this. Hopefully it'll be good. That's one of those Neither things where the interest nosedived. Neither of us nosedived. saw it. Uh, well, I saw the early reviews and I was like, okay, that's, that's enough for me. No, I, it was the same thing for me. I was like, I can drop that on the priority list, I think. Yeah. So, it just, right? uh, so, yeah, they were right. Yeah. So... Again, this is uh, this is clearly a movie for the fans. This is a movie for the fans. Well, as it is, I, I am a I'm a moderate fan of Assassin's Creed. I've played mm, probably three or four of the Assassin's Creed games. It's not my favorite franchise, but I think that they do some interesting things with it. Um, they haven't released a game in over a year. I think it's because the formula became very stale and people were tired of it. Mm-hmm. So every game was kind of the same same thing over and over again just set in a different time period uh basically I, I i was really hoping for the best with this movie because you have a good director you have michael fassbender who also produced it you have uh marion cotillard you have jeremy irons brendan gleason charlotte rampling i mean this is a great cast yeah so why they made it the way they did i don't know uh like there was a there was a news uh bit that came out before the movie came out and I was and I it was like that said something like 75 or 80 percent of the movie takes place in the present day rather than the past during the Spanish Inquisition and that was like oh that was kind of a red flag for me yeah and it is true most of the movie does take place in the in the future really the only time that they go back in in time to uh, the Spanish Inquisition is during action scenes. That's it. The rest of it takes place in like the present day or, or near future, whenever the hell it is. Um, that's, a, that's a big bummer. I wish awful. that more of it took place in the Spanish Inquisition. That's probably the biggest issue I had with it. Like In the game, you're, it's reversed. You're like 90% in the past and just a little bit in the future. And... I think that that's that's the way you need to do it. I don't know why they, I don't know why they did a lot of the things they did in this. It's just ridiculous. I, I I can't really recommend it. There's there's some fun action scenes, and you know you have the whole wrist blade thing, and he's a badass. He's a badass character, but there's just there's not a whole lot going on here. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these great actors have very little to work with. Even Michael Fassbender, he doesn't have a whole lot to work with 
in the movie. Because uh, when he's in the past, he doesn't talk. Like, he doesn't... I think he maybe has, like, one line or something in the past. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it's, it's all in Spanish, and they wanted to keep the subtitles to a minimum. Just doing that parkour. But, yeah, there's, there's a decent amount of parkour in it. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I can't recommend Assassin's Creed. It's just, it's not very good. Another failed video game adaptation. One of these days, guys, we'll get a good one. They will figure it out. One of these days. Oh, jeez. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut mine for time purposes. The only other one I'll mention is The Devil's Candy. That This came out this weekend on VOD. Uh, I actually, uh, I, I enjoyed this one somewhat. I was like... I'm like a, I'm like at a six on this one. Like it's pretty it's pretty yeah. decent. This is directed by Sean Byrne. This is the guy that did uh, the Loved Ones, which I was a huge fan of uh, back in 2009. I think that came out. Okay. Uh, this one yeah. is stars Ethan Embry as this heavy metal loving artist who, with his uh, wife and daughter, they move into this kind of country home in Texas and so he can work on his art and yeah. turns out that uh this this home is some sort of gateway to the <sighs> devil oh man and the previous uh owner of the house is on the loose and he's like possessed by the devil or something and he's trying to kill children <laughs> and it's a lot cooler than than what i'm describing right now but there's uh there's also some really bad CG fire in this which which sucks because the scene that has the fire is actually a really interesting scene it's really kind of a tense scene yeah but the the fire unfortunately brings it down a little bit let's just get back to the lighting things actually on fire let's just get back I know. To that. let's just start fires people in cinema 27 I mean, you can still you can still have like the perspective thing you know like you can have Position the camera no, f- and then nope. f- have the fire in front of people, uh-uh. and it still kind of looks like they're in, in fire. No, light people on fire, light buildings oh. on fire. Well, light in this, fire. just light it on fire. Come on. Well, in this specific scene, it they're tr- like trapped in a room that's on fire, so the, they themselves are not on fire. Let's, let's get risky, just light everybody on fire <laughs> just, at this point. Let's light things on fire, okay? It's all masking. At any rate, The Devil's Candy is one that I would give a, a light recommend to. It's pretty, pretty fun, pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, let's move on talk about some new releases. Uh, so we got Power Rangers next week. Uh, watch out. Yeah, oh, boy. Have you seen any trailers for this? No, I have not. I've never had any interest whatsoever in Power Rangers. Were you? So did you watch it as a kid? No, never. I so just, the thing uh, about Power Rangers is I think that it just barely missed us. Well, I don't know. We were like on the cusp because I remember there were a lot of kids our age that were into Power Rangers, but I was never into Power Rangers. I was like on whenever, I think uh, the the Fox Kids lineup on Saturday was like the Tick and then X-Men and then Power Rangers. And by the time Power Rangers came on, I was done. (laughs) Turn that shit off because I was outside doing my X-Men moves. That's why. Yeah, I just I just wasn't in I just wasn't into Power Rangers at all. I was outside spinning around acting like Gambit. Now that that being said, I have seen many episodes of Power Rangers just because it was one of those deals where, you know, you come home from school in the afternoon, you turn on Fox Kids, and you just watch whatever it happens to be, and usually that was Power Rangers. Mm. So I've seen my share of episodes of the show. I actually went to I remember my cousin was really into Power Rangers, or he was somewhat into Power Rangers, and he dragged me to see the Power Rangers movie, the first one that came out, and uh, it it was it was not cool. It sucked, and it was at the it was at the Dollar Theater, and there was it was us, and we we're like I don't know twelve or whatever, and then one dude who was probably in his thirties by nice. himself. <laughs> yeah, nice. Sad. At any rate, the Power Rangers movie does not look good to me, and I'm not interested in it. One iota. No. We also have Life. To me, this just looks like an alien ripoff, and I'm not into it at all. It truly is. It definitely like looks nothing about that. I've seen this this stupid trailer probably five times or more, and I'm just not. 
this one's... nothing about the trailer makes me like, oh, I want to, I want to see life. This one seems like it just kind of came out of nowhere too. Like I never really heard anything about life until like the last, like this past week. Then all of a sudden it's yeah. popping up everywhere. And I was like, oh shit, it's, you know, like someone's trying to capitalize on them bringing aliens back with the alien covenant this year. But then to find out that there's like actually people in this movie, I was like, oh, I was just figuring that it was, you know, a bunch of C-lists. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good people in this, but yeah. I'm just not, I don't even know who directed this actually. Who directed this? Daniel Espinosa? I have no idea. It's the guy who did um, Easy Money. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. And that Child 44 movie. No, thanks. No, thank you. Yeah, I'll be skipping that one, too. That one's that one's not going to do it for me. Alien Covenant is the only alien movie that I need in my life right now. I, ho- I wish that it was a sequel to the Eddie Murphy movie Life, and it just took place in space. That would be interesting. Now, that's an interesting idea. And just light some stuff yeah. on fire. Right there. You got it. They got a movie right there. Yep. We also have Chips. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Why? This one with uh, Michael Pena and Dax Shepard. Nothing about this movie is doing it for me either. I've seen both the restricted trailer and the regular one, and neither of them made me laugh or even chortle, as it were. Yeah. No thanks. It's so awful. Wilson? This is the one with Woody Harrelson, the, uh, the comedy with Woody Harrelson. This one I'm actually into, based on the uh, graphic novel by... Um, yeah, because I actually like that. What's his name? Daniel Close? Yeah, that's a fan. The guy who did uh, Ghost World? Yeah. Did you do Ghost World? Yep. And Art School Confidential? Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed his... Uh, I enjoyed that graphic novel. So I'm interested in this one. Yeah, I'm definitely into, into some Wilson, so I'll be checking that one out. We also have Prevenge. Mm-hmm. Very, very excited for this one. This one looks uh, really interesting. Directed by uh, Alice Lowe. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for this one. From uh, Sightseers. Very, uh, yeah, this this one's going to be interesting. It's like a pregnant woman goes on a killing spree. Something like like that. Yeah. Something something like that. We have Bokeh. This is the kind of, it's just a drama, I would say. It takes place in Iceland. A couple travel to Iceland and then they wake up one day and everybody Everybody's is gone. gone. Uh, I should have a review for that one up if I get around to it. It's it's meh. All right, what else have we got here? I called him Morgan. We'll have a review for that one up too. That's a documentary about the uh, jazz musician. Okay. Dig Two Graves, horror movie. Eh, all right. It's all right. Yeah. I, Olga Hepnerova. Watch out. I'm into this one. This one looks interesting. Car dogs. Car dogs? You just say car dogs? <laughs> car dogs. What's that mean? What are it's a movie about uh, selling cars, I think. Do the, Are we selling cars to dogs? Or is it dogs selling cars? No, I don't think there are actually any dogs, actual dogs involved. There's no dogs? Not to my knowledge. What is this? They, okay, they have eight hours to sell 300 cars. Better buckle up. Who the f- who the fuck? Wants That's gonna gross three dollars. Who the fuck wants to watch that? Well, I don't know, but the poster is enough for me to be like, nope. The American scheme. <laughs> yeah. Good. We have the most the most hated woman in America. That's gonna be on Netflix, I think. Yeah. That's the one uh, with Melissa Leo about the the woman who founded the American Atheists. Is that was that the name of the organization? Yeah. She got kidnapped. Damn. I think. She, I think. She, well, maybe I won't say that because might be a little bit of a spoiler for people who don't know the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty much it as far as uh, theaters. The most hated woman in America is coming out on Netflix, but I don't know if that's also getting a theatrical release because it's listed here. But I'm not sure. Yeah. On VOD next week we have Smash, uh, Atomica. Okay. Both uh, Smash is a documentary. Uh, Atomica is a sci-fi movie. Oh, I think it's more. like by the actual Sci-Fi Channel, so it's probably going to be not not great. Yeah, it is uh, yeah. Split, not the M Night Shyamalan one, but another one that somebody for some reason decided to call Split, which is uh, capitalized. 
what is this? This one, this one sounds familiar to me. Split. City. So I think it's a horror movie. Uh, a young actress, a young actress working as a stripper who becomes obsessed with a mask maker and sacrifices parts of herself piece by piece in order to win his love. Uh, okay. Oh, okay, so it's like a body horror type movie. Interesting. Uh, those come out on on Tuesday. And then on Friday, the 24th, we have uh, Dig Two Graves and Bokeh. Okay. Mm. Blu-ray next week. This is for Tuesday, the 21st. We have Evolution. We have Assassin's Creed. We have Sing. Ryan was all into that movie for some reason. I don't understand. What, Sing? Yeah. Is it just me? Because to, to me, that movie looked like garbage. Is that the animated one? Yeah, the animated one. Yeah, it God. just looked terrible to me. Yeah, it did. I, I'm surprised by that actually. Hmm. Yeah, Miss Sloane, the one with uh, Jessica Chastain. I just the only thing I know that from is Twitter. It's just nothing but promoted tweets. Miss Sloane, see it this weekend. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. It didn't work. I I thought it was like a Twitter thing. I was like, you're not a real movie. You're just you only exist on Twitter. Tower. I would. Highly recommend that one. That's a documentary, uh, rotoscope documentary about the um, the sniper at uh, University of Texas. Yeah, for nothing, uh, nothing but good things for that one. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Julieta, Live by Night, yeah. which uh, I heard was uh, pretty bad. Yeah, which sucks because I I've liked all of uh, Ben Affleck's other this one of the directorial efforts. I've, I, like, I want to see that movie, but I knew right off the bat when you see the trailer and you hear his voice, you're just like, oh, this yeah. is not going to be good. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I had a bad feeling about it as soon as I saw that first trailer. I was like, oh, man. I, I was like having flashbacks of uh, Gangster Squad. I was like, oh, I'm getting like a Gangster <laughs> Squad vibe from this movie. Yeah, just like, no thanks. Uh, what do we have on the old Criterion front next week? Oh, we have two, all right? We have 1979's Being There from Hal Ashby coming out on the Blu-ray. And then this one, this one's for you and for everybody. Multiple Maniacs from John Waters. John Waters. I know. I'm so excited, so excited that John Waters is finally being recognized by Criterion. I love it. I think they're putting out, I think they're going to start putting out all of his movies, or not all, but I I think Pink Flamingos is going to be coming out. I would imagine. I mean, usually when they start something, unless this just doesn't sell at all, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, you think if if multiple maniacs is coming out, you'd think that Pink Flamingos has to be. Yeah. I would hope so. Because that's the one that. That's the big one. I imagine you would. Yeah. Exactly. So that's exciting. That's exciting what it could mean in the future. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your topics and questions to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.